0: Matt Jolly, right here on Georgia Radio.
1: Well, happy Wednesday to you, Matt Jolly here, and uh, glad to be with you today. We're talking all things related to air travel today, and I am joined by one of the best guys in the business for this. He's an aviation attorney. He's a pilot. He's even a flight instructor. Uh, television host author of the book preemptive strike uh, what am I leaving out Alan uh, all-around good guy lover of all things aviation uh, what what am I what am I leaving out Alan Alan Armstrong joins me
2: well I I guess uh, what aviation addict
1: yeah yeah okay. yep that too and and lover of law I mean you you yeah. are a wizard when it comes to wordsmithing. I talked to a buddy of mine the other day that uh, he's an attorney, um, and he said, I said, why did you get into this? And he said, because I love the English language. And I thought, you know, I've never heard that before from an attorney. But that's so true, because you really have to wordsmith. I mean, 99% of what you do is dealing with words and (laughs) and how they lay out.
2: (laughs) Well, we we write race. We, We polish and polish. Every word matters. Yeah. Every word matters. This is a true story. I argued a case in one time, and I came in from arguing the case that evening. My wife said, what, what did you do today? I said, we argued about the placement of a comma in a sentence. She said, what? I said, we argued about the placement of a comma. She said, why? I said, well, without without the comma, it was a dependent clause, but with the comma, it was an independent clause, and that affects the court's analysis about whether it's insurance coverage. And there you go. I mean that that's the, that is a perfect illustration of the world I live in. People cannot imagine that that's actually that the way that we actually live.
1: Yeah, but it's, it is, it is it's true. And if you're and if you're flying this summer or uh, you're booking tickets for this fall, I wanted to have Alan on because we've all been hearing about. I mean, you know, we've all been hearing about just the misery uh, that is commercial airline travel right now. And I know there's all kind of things out there that the NTSB says, well, if they delay your flight over two hours, there's allegedly a clause that they have to pay you four times the value of the ticket change. And there's all this kind of stuff that is probably mostly folklore uh, at the end of the day. But then there's probably some real stuff. Alan, I, I wanted you on just because, you know, when we're staring down the barrel of that loaded gun that is, I'm sorry, Mr. Jolly, your flight's been canceled and we can't get you there till next Wednesday. And I'm working in California with a show or I'm trying to come home or, you know, Becky and Tammy are coming home from their girls weekend and they, you know, they got to go to work. What are we looking at? I mean, is it, is there any recourse? I mean, really any recourse or is it just here we are and we're at the whim and mercy of the airline? What are we dealing with? I, I think it's the
2: latter. It's, <laughs> it's it's the uh, latter. Okay. We 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 had our response to COVID, and we can debate about whether the the response was appropriate or not. But it happened, and and the decision was made. We ground most most the airlines and laid off a bunch of pilots, and we paid guys to retire and. And now we've got a pilot shortage and a flight attendant shortage, whatever. We, have, we don't have enough personnel to get it done now. We have airplanes parked because we have no pilots to fly them. And then we shut down the flight training facilities. We let those people go too. The people that train pilots to, 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 trans, to transition to new airplanes, they've been let go as well. So our capacity to bring new pilots online is greatly diminished, and we just can't, we just can't satisfy the demands of the public.
1: You're talking about places like flight safety. And see, I didn't even think about that. The way this works, uh, for those of you that don't understand aviation and whatnot, there are these massive companies out there that have banks of flight simulators. And they train these pilots who are going through upgrade or changing platforms, like from a Boeing jet to an Airbus or whatever. And and they do that. And, and that's not necessarily the company because the company doesn't have usually uh, the capacity to train that. So they, they outsource it. And all of that has been disrupted uh, coming out of COVID now. Uh, and I didn't even think about that, Alan, but I guess that's true even for flight attendants and baggage handlers and, you know, flight we schedulers and everybody.
2: We don't have the personnel. So we
1: don't have the personnel. what do we do then? I mean, from a passenger perspective, how do you know if it's going to be reliable to book a ticket?
2: You don't know. It's Russian roulette. You have no idea.
1: So you just book it and and hope that it yeah. that it works out. And is any of that stuff legitimately true? Uh, that that we have some type of right? Uh, I've never, never, never heard of it. I've never seen
2: that in international travel. There's something called delay damages under the Warsaw Convention. That you do have certain rights that if your if your flight is delayed, you can recover delay damages if it's international. But domestically, I've, I've seen nothing.
1: It's pretty bad when you've got to start quoting the Warsaw Pact, Alan. Well, that's what with, you, got you, you know, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty what bad when that it. happens. All right, so, so at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot we can do. Uh, we would, so. we'd be better off maybe buying our own airplane. And people, people are gonna, they're gonna look at me and they're gonna go, they're gonna laugh when I say that. But it's a lot of times it's less money than owning a bass boat to own an airplane. And people, they, they think I'm kidding when I say that, but I'm, I'm not. I mean, there, there are some very, very, even today, in today's inflated market, there are some very, very affordable airplanes for, you know, a young married couple or a married couple to hop in and fly somewhere for the weekend. And sure. just about any airplane you buy is going to be about twice as fast as the car. Uh, even even one from the 1930s that, that flies about 100-something miles an hour, it's still going to be faster than
2: yeah, the car the ratio is about three to one usually the are three, typically is about three times as fast as the car
1: yeah
2: roughly it, roughly you know
1: thereabouts but, yeah
2: yeah but we have to allow for the pre-flight
1: and know. some of that stuff is right. you know it'll run on five six gallons an hour even uh so there there are ways to do it and and save save some money and save some time I want to get into this just a little bit because you are a, a voracious writer. One of my favorite things that you've written is a book uh, called "Preemptive Strike," and I I don't want to get too much into it, but but I just thought this was so cool. It, it, it's it's based on a a secret plan uh, to really stop the Japanese in World War II uh, that goes back to the Flying Tigers. One of my favorite airplanes of all time is the P forty. And even people that don't know what a P forty is, they remember the plane that had the shark nose on the front of it uh, from World right. War II. They remember that airplane and the story of the American Volunteer Group, the Flying Tigers. Uh, they were actually really they were in China. They were they were flying around there before the war. But but part of that plan was a preemptive strike uh, to keep uh, the Japanese Empire back then uh, under control. Is that is that an oversimplification of what of what you figured out.
2: Well, look upon the Sino-Japanese War as Japan's Vietnam. Uh, from 1937 to 1941, they had lost a million troops in the Sino-Japanese War. So uh, the plan was to keep them bogged down in that war, making them less effective and less capable of waging war against. The British, the Dutch, and the Americans. There so you go. Yeah. It it was, it was really quite ingenious and quite simple. I think it would have been extremely effective if, if personalities had not gotten in the way.
1: I love it, and it's got all the makings of a of a great, great story. And it's in a, it, you buy the book. Uh, I'm guessing just about anywhere. But uh, preemptive strike, if you're so interested, uh, based on a document that was discovered in a desk in Pensacola. Down at, well, down at the air base. I mean, just a right. remarkable, remarkable story. Oh,
2: Naval Air Station, Joint Board 355.
1: Yeah. Yep. Stuck, in a, stuck in the back of a desk. It's a good thing the government never cleans anything out, you know?
2: <laughs> I is mean, it, it really is. But all, all the, 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 the distances from Chichao, a base in eastern China, to the targets in Japan were all mapped out. They knew how long it would take to get there, and it was all worked out.
1: And the rest, as they say, is history, I suppose. Well,
2: yeah. Well, the the rest is the book is about why the plan did not happen.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the book right now. I've got it here yeah. uh, in my office. One of my favorites. I've passed it around to to several people, and my apologies, Alan. I should have had them buy it, but they'll say, "Oh, what's that?" said, well, you got to read it. It's a really great book. You got to read it, especially if you're a history buff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. People know you from television too, because they've seen you on a lot of these. Uh, these cable news networks talking about the unfortunate air disasters uh, and things that happen. They love to put you on there because you're a a great guy to talk about it. You're a, you know, a wonderful aviation expert and you explain things so clearly uh, to people and you're not the guy uh, that they'll often misquote that says airplanes don't fly well when they run out of fuel.
2: (laughs) I, I, I tend to prepare for those, tv appearances just as though i'm I'm going to court and i'll uh research the literature i'll get the uh, type certificate data sheet for the airplane or for the engine and uh, the maintenance manuals and things like that and kind of drill down into it and see what the inspection intervals are and that sort of thing and have an appreciation for what i'm talking about and then when i get on tv i what am I gonna get to get a minute, two minutes? So I gotta think about in in that two minutes, what is the most important, second most important, third most important thing I can relate to the audience that I've learned in going over that data. And then you gotta you gotta make it understandable. You gotta make it so that people understand what you're talking about. And I'm 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 not sure if you know this or not. I'm prone to taking my little pointer with my little yeah. stick. Oh yeah. And I'll point at the turbine blades or I'll right. point at winglet or something, and I'll actually physically show them what we're talking about because they teach us as trial lawyers that if you tell some, if you just tell someone something, they, Oh, a day later they'll recall 25% of it. But if you show them and tell them something a day later, they'll recall 50 or 60% of it. So you're trying to actually teach the audience, actually impress upon them what the data that you've got to impart to them, hopefully, hoping they'll actually uh, take something from it. So one of my buds, they, they, I got to, a Facebook posting about something calling me the professor. With yeah,
1: wife. well, I think that's it, appropriate <laughs> after seeing some of these interviews. I, I wanted to get into this bit because we kind of was beaten up on the airlines uh, earlier, but in, in your opinion, Alan, is airline travel in America still safe?
2: Extremely. Extremely. Um, it's a very very rigorous environment, and these crews are very highly skilled and highly trained, and it's um, yes, extremely Safe And we know the, st- the statistics that airline travel is statistically safer than, you know, general aviation, you know, two-man crew, professionally trained, airplanes with anti-icing, de-icing systems, uh, radar, all of the um, uh, bells and whistles to make uh, travel, you know, uh, safe. And so it's clearly, if you can put up with the cattle call and standing in line and going through T TF- all that nonsense. If you're going to endure that pain, then it's clearly a good way—a good way, a good way yeah. to travel, assuming that the flight actually comes off.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, assuming that you're not, uh, you know, abandoned at the airport to your own devices. Yeah, right. that's uh right. that means that uh, you're going to have a safe flight if you can get on it. Well, we're going to have to see where this goes because they—they they really have been taking a lot of liberties um, with passengers here lately, and I mean the passengers have really absorbed the brunt of this with oversold situations where they're just. You know, abruptly booted off the flight, and it—you it, can't run a business that way. Uh, but it's still a whole lot faster than driving, and I—I uh, I just appreciate your insights. I, I wish there was a magic bullet, though, uh, and some of that folklore was true—that that passengers do, in fact, have some, uh, some—you know, some recourse or some repercussions. Do you think it'll ever come to that? Do you think passengers ever will have uh, domestically uh, some recourse with these with these companies?
2: Only if Congress gets involved. I mean, the the mission of the FAA is to ensure flight safety, but they're not there to ensure that there's uh, you know, creature comforts or accountability or things of that nature. That's not what they're there for. They're they're there to make sure that there's not a smoking hole in the ground.
1: Um, well, know. and they're doing a good job of that. I, you know, and yeah. I, I I'll say this much: uh, because of that. Uh, because of those rules, it is still safe to fly. I mean, if you look at some of the other cutbacks where they're whittling away your seat space and everything else, just be glad they're not doing that with pilot qualifications uh, right. or crew qualifications. So, well, good stuff, Alan Armstrong. I, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate your insights on this. Uh, if folks want to get a copy of the book, how can they do that? If they're a history nut and they want to go read up on this, how can they um, get a copy of your book?
2: I'm, I'm sure it's on Amazon. I'm sure you can get it on the internet Yeah, the internet.
1: Of it. And you're you you have a website uh, for your air show flying that you do as well, uh, where you fly around in an old uh, replica of a Japanese torpedo bomber, which is really fun. Uh, there's some great YouTube videos on that. Uh, your your airplane uh, can be seen at some air shows across the uh, the southeast. Is there one in particular that you're looking forward to?
2: I'll be going back up to uh, Reading. I'm sorry, I'll be back in Pennsylvania in September. Okay. I just came from Reading, I had a show in Reading in June. I had a show in Greenwood Lake, New Jersey in June, and had one in Columbus, Mississippi in March. And so Katie, Katie gets around. She's seen it shows around the country.
1: Yeah. yeah. Call her Kate or, uh, Katie because hey, Kate. she's a, a Japanese Kate bomber. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the,
2: you're right. The call sign yeah. is Kate. I, I call her Katie. She's a, she's a sweet little airplane. She's very well behaved.
1: Well, it's a, it's a good airplane, and it's fun to watch you go. Fly around up there, and uh, you're you're often getting shot at uh, yeah, by the Americans.
2: I've 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 drawn lead on Allied fighter planes uh, during shows, on the, the and the air boss invariably says, "Kate, knock it off." <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, you can't about, go
1: whooping up on him, Alan.
2: I'm about to I'm just about to take out an Allied airplane, and uh, he, for some reason they don't like that.
1: They cancel your plans. Well, listen, Alan Armstrong, it's been great hearing your voice. Thanks for coming on. I sure okay, appreciate man. it. All right. It was fun. Bye-bye.
0: georgia radio on your phone in your home everywhere you go
2: matt jolly
1: right here on georgia radio and welcome back to neighbor to neighbor matt jolly hanging out here with you listen we have a special guest right now last minute to add to the show Country music sensation Mark Ware joins us now from his home out there by Concert Cove. Mark, how are you? Glad you're here.
0: Doing good, Matt. Uh, how are you? <laughs> good.
1: I'm doing fine. Don't move. Your signal's breaking up out there on the lake. What are you doing home today? I'm just surprised you're home on this fine Wednesday. Uh, but listen, it I, I figured you'd be out doing a Wednesday show or on the road somewhere on a talk show. As busy as you've been uh, here lately, it just it's a wonder to catch you at home. I'm glad you're... Getting some rest, hopefully.
0: Yes, it is a it is a rare weekend off. Uh, but here's some good news we we found out our we was the um, showcase uh, artist of the week for Christian country radio station out of Nashville. So I woke up on a top ten list. Uh, we're gearing up. We're resting. We're gearing up for a, a Texas run um, over in. We're gonna be in San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, Fort and also Matt. We're proud to announce that uh, we've been asked to open for national recording Artist ray scott and scott haggard um both of those guys we're uh we're going to go out and help them with their tour and open up for them here coming up real soon
1: i wish you all the best of luck on that mark that's some that's some great stuff and you're playing the griffin opera house as well coming up uh which is uh some cool stuff there you've just always got a lot on your table how how is uh how's miracle doing i'm just shocked it's not like a number one Mir- yet
0: a really good um you know, we, we watch Spotify numbers, uh, and we watch the YouTube videos, uh, but we're, we're just trying to get that song on as many playlists as we can. Uh, but after I hit Nashville next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, we're meeting with a major distribution company that's going to help us distribute our music in that professional way that we we need. So we feel that with 300,000 streams that we've done organ- organically, we feel like adding a, a partner um, to this to do it, the, the, the Nashville or the professional way it, it's going to just catapult our songs and uh, our streams so we're really looking forward and man just so blessed to have that all we have in our camp
1: listen I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing Mark your biggest fan right here Mark Ware everybody thanks again Mark I appreciate it well my thanks to Alan Armstrong and my thanks to Mark Ware for hopping on here for just a few seconds with us and my thanks to you for being here truly truly appreciate it Got a lot of great music coming up here for you on georgiaradio.com. And listen, the app, I've got to tell you, I'm so excited. Our app is almost ready to launch. Uh, If you're not already a subscriber to the newsletter, do that. Because when we roll out this app, uh, that's where it's going to release from. So the first people to get notice of it will be the people on our newsletter. It's a free app, and you can just download it from the iTunes store or from Uh, the Google Play Store. It's going to be for both Android and for Apple. So Android and Apple. Uh, It'll be a lot of fun to use and easy to use uh, with some really cool functionality. The thing that I I don't know about you, but I am really excited about this one feature in particular, because it's going to allow you to communicate with the radio station. There's a little button on it. It says be on the radio. If you just Click the "Be on the radio button. You can send something to me with your voice. Uh, Hey, Matt, this is, you know, whatever, whatever. I'd like to hear this song or can you wish my grandmother a happy birthday or whatever it is. You send that over and it falls right into our studio box so we can just magically put you on the air. I'm telling you some cool stuff on there. Really neat stuff. Got an alarm clock on there. It's got all of the local news and weather. Uh, for the Georgia Radio listening area all across the Peach State. That'll be on there. Uh, And of course, uh, all the podcast and the live stream. This is what we've really needed. And it's coming out here in just a few more weeks. So be on the lookout for it. It's finished. It's finished now. We're just in the testing phase. So some cool stuff. Uh, One of the things that Mark Ware did not mention, but we were talking about it before, is we have a new show uh, that's in the works right now. He is going to host it And we're going to be featuring some talent, uh, local talent from across the state, as part of our commitment here at Georgia Radio to get people uh, on the radio and give them a home for their music. Uh, So if you know somebody, a rising star in traditional country music, send them over to us because I'd love to feature them. And I know Mark would love to play some of their music. All of that is coming up, and it's all possible because of you. Thank you so much for listening. So long for now, everybody
0: radio. Good company and great country.